The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this third Sunday after Epiphany as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via the podcast, please know that you are a valued member of our community. My name is Jessica Chica, and I have the pleasure of serving as the University Chaplain for International Students here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today, we welcome our friend and colleague, the Reverend Victoria Hart Gaskell, as our preacher. Reverend Gaskell serves as the Chapel Associate for Methodist students here at Marsh Chapel. We gather this morning to worship God and be reminded of the divine gifts of grace which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God.
Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We now enter into a time of reflection on both the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone that might burden us throughout our days. As the choir sings the Kyrie, let us confess our sin in the presence of God. hear the good news. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Jonah, chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 and 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. 
Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 29 to 31. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the word as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this word is passing away. The word of the Lord. Thanks. 
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 62 with the Antiphon. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. God alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before God, who is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion, and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase... Do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And to you, O God, belongs steadfast love, for you repay to all according to their work. Friends, let us rise as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord, Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Praise to you, O Lord. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. 
Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Last weekend, I went to the movies. I saw the eighth and latest episode of the Star Wars saga, entitled The Last Jedi. I am a fan of the story, so I was predisposed to like it, and I did. There were some familiar faces and some new ones. Of course, there will be a sequel. I'm pretty sure that I don't give away any spoilers when I say that the plot continues. The scrappy, ragtag remnants of the Republic are up against the relentless and seemingly overwhelming forces of what is now known as the First Order and its supreme leader. After incredible challenges and great losses, at least some members of the Republic escape to continue the story. While the plot does thicken, it essentially remains the same. This time, though, I was struck by two things. They may not be new to the story, but at least they stood out for me in a new way. One was that the the remnants of the Republic were mostly referred to as the Resistance, by themselves and even by the First Order. Now those who resist are those who refuse to accept or comply with something or who attempt to prevent something by action or argument. Resistance can be violent, but it does not have to be. In The Last Jedi, this time, even in the midst of all the whiz-bang, characters were told that blowing things up was not always the best way to accomplish the goal. Indeed, retreat could be the best and most viable option in order to resist another day. The second thing I noticed was that while, of course, the First Order was out to crush the resistance, this time the reason they gave to do that was so that any hope, any hope for continued resistance against the First Order would be crushed as well. I've been thinking a lot about hope in the last year or so. For many of us, if our hope is not crushed, it is a little tattered around the edges. Many of us have faced or are facing personal challenges in terms of health or finances or loss of a loved one or personal calamity. Added to that is the the fact that the world is much more uncertain place than it was a year ago. There are many decisions being made in government that seem to make no sense to many of us no matter what our personal politics. 
decisions that will poison the air, earth, and water for generations to come. The escalation of the rhetoric of racism, misogyny, and division. The increased pandering to the very wealthy and to corporate interests. The dismantling of social safety nets and government agencies that promote the public well-being and the flirtation with increasing militarization in national and international policy and with a cavalier attitude toward nuclear war. It is hard to know even where to begin to resist these decisions when it seems that every week there is some statement, action, or scandal that derails any forward movement. In our Gospel reading this morning, Jesus begins his ministry in a challenging time. There is resistance to the Roman occupation of the country and to the puppet king. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has been arrested for his preaching of repentance and a turning to God, and for his preaching of the one who is powerful and will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls his first disciples to his ministry with the good news that the time is now. The realm of God has come near. They can believe in the hope of a new life and turn to God. In this case, he calls fishermen in the midst of their daily life to follow him, to use their fishing skills to bring others the good news of the realm of God. And immediately... They believe the hope of the good news and follow him. Now, we as followers of Jesus in our time are in a little different situation. Jesus preached the realm of God as near, so near that people could believe in its reality in their own lives and invite others to join them to live that reality. The early church, especially after the resurrection, believed as Paul did in his letter to the church at Corinth. The realm of God was so near that people should live as though the dominant social, economic, and cultural forms no longer operated in this new life. With us, we are more than 2,000 years down the road. While we realize that the realm of God is both present and coming in our lives, we live in the midst of a changing, wonderful, and sometimes scary culture. It often promotes a reality that is in direct opposition to the ministry of Jesus and to the reality of life with God in Christ. So how do we, as contemporary followers of Jesus, keep our hope, keep our belief alive in this challenging time? And just as important, How do we share our hope and our belief with others who may still feel like the least, the last, and the lost and could use a little help and hope? The psalmist suggests that we remember that the basis for our hope is our trust in God. God alone is our rock, our salvation, and our stronghold, so that we will not be shaken from our hope. We can pour out our hearts to God about our concerns and fears, 
and God will be our refuge. Other forms that seem like power are delusion, vain hopes. They will let us down. God alone has the power we need, and God alone is worthy of our love and devotion. With this as a starting point, with God's presence and realm not just coming, but present in our lives, we might expect that God might do some things we do not see coming, especially where there is opposition to the reality of our life with God. Our reading from Jonah describes one of these unexpected actions. This is the second time that Jonah is sent to Nineveh. The first time he refused to go and ended up in the belly of a whale. Apparently, this experience at sea changed his thinking, because this second time he does go to Nineveh, and he does preach the message that God gives him. Nineveh will be overthrown in 40 days. Now, the interesting thing is that the word translated here as overthrown can also be translated to indicate a turnover or a change of heart. Sure enough, Nineveh, notorious for its wickedness, repents. They really repent with fasting and sackcloth, and they turn from their evil ways. And in the face of their sincerity, God changes God's mind and does not bring calamity to them. Jonah went to Nineveh, finally, because he was a prophet, and that is what prophets do when they accept a call. It was Jonah's everyday life that God worked with to change a whole city for the better. Sometimes it is just doing what we do normally that can foster hope. I saw another movie last week, The Post. This is the story of the discovery and publication of the Pentagon Papers. Their publication was instrumental in ending the Vietnam police action. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that this publication was brought about by a small group of people. And they did not wake up and intend to start a process of change on a national level. They were living their everyday lives and doing their everyday jobs. Then something showed up that they just could not ignore. There was so much damage that was being done to individuals and the nation by the government process around Vietnam revealed by the papers. So at great risk to themselves and their everyday lives, they decided to make known what they had discovered even though that knowledge was forbidden to the general public. When that knowledge was made public, the things that had seemed so hopeless for so long around what was going on in Vietnam, these things began to change. The police action ended, and there was some measure of hope that now the truth was out, things would be different. For us, we may not be in everyday positions to bring an evil city to repentance or to reveal a nation-changing truth. But there may be, for us, some things we may think need changing or may even need resistance. How do we find our hope, sustain our hope, 
in the midst of our personal and communal challenges? How do we respond to Jesus' ongoing call to believe the good news of the reality of God's realm and to share that good news with others? We already know that it will not be easy after this last year. It was not easy for Jesus and the first disciples either. Mark is called the gospel of conflict for a reason. And Jesus and the disciples did not just have conflicts with the religious and political authorities. They had conflicts with each other. Jonah was a reluctant prophet at best. And after he had served to help bring about God's work of conversion and mercy, he was angry. He thought Nineveh deserved to be overthrown in the full sense of overthrow. He berated God for being too merciful for this foreign city that deserved to be punished. Those who brought to light and those who published the Pentagon Papers risked the loss of long friendships and the threat of jail. And while the Vietnam police action was ended, the revelations and the process of ending the action almost tore the country apart and still has repercussions today. The facing of our own personal challenges is often fraught with difficulty and pain, as well as resolution and reconciliation. But we cannot let conflict, or the possibility of conflict, stop us from finding and sustaining hope. In conflict also, we can trust that God is at work to do a new thing, as God did at Nineveh, and with Jesus and the disciples and the early church, and as God is still doing every day in this world right now. We cannot stop because without hope, we die. The first order and the supreme leader are right. Crush the resistance, crush hope, and we do nothing. We do not look for hope. We do not take the steps we need to take to sustain our hope. Without hope, we do not resist those things that oppress us in our minds and bodies and relationships. And so our hope is crushed once again in a vicious cycle. The good news is that we can get better at finding our hope. We can get better in what we hope for. We can get better in what we put our trust to sustain our hope. One of the new characters in The Last Jedi puts it this way. It's not about destroying what we hate. It's about saving what we love. So what do we love enough to save? And when we decide that, who else loves the same thing and wants to save it? And where do we find these folks? And when we found them, what can we do together to save what we love? Because not being alone, because shared purpose and action, gives us hope and helps us sustain our hope. And the great thing is, we often don't have to look very far or in unusual places to find our companions in hope. 
They, like us, live their everyday lives and try to use their skills to save the things they love. They may be right here at Marsh Chapel. Take a look around. At a worship service, or a book discussion, or a dinner, or a service event. Or they could be in our neighborhoods. They grow or buy organic vegetables to preserve earth, air, and water that is not poisoned. They may serve those who could use a little hope and help through their work that is the same work as ours. Or they volunteer in places in which we too can volunteer. They may advocate or organize publicly to expand the voices and presence of those too often ignored or unjustly maligned. They may produce a movie, documentary, website, or blog that inspires us to hope and action. They go where the life is, and we can go there too, or even lead the way. What do we love and want to save? What gives us hope, that hope we want to sustain? It is not just about what we do. It is also about who we are and who we want to become. There are people we can join for that, too. Mark Miller is a worship leader, a composer and performer of sacred music, and a musical theologian. He is on the faculty of two universities, is married, and is a father. And in the wider culture, it is also clear that his ancestors did not come, or most of them did not come, from Norway. And as an aside for any Norwegians out there, and with us, don't worry, we know it's not your fault. Anyway, Mark Miller, in his everyday life, and in his music, recognizes the challenges to hope that we face, both personally and communally. And he presents the perspective that who we are is just as important to the finding and sustaining of hope as what we do. In fact, they are so intertwined as to be inseparable. His latest composition has become something of a touchstone for many of us. We sing it to ourselves. We sing it to and with each other. We sing it with and for those who can relate and who also want to find and sustain their hope. His song reminds us that in our faith and trust in God, we can be who we want to be and do what we want to do as our own best selves. We can save what we love. We can find our hope and sustain it. The song is called Resist, and it goes like this. The melody starts. We resist, we refuse to let hatred in. We rise up, we won't back down. We're in this till the end. That goes on for a little bit. And then the counterpoint kicks in. Pray for your enemies. Welcome the stranger. Show love to your neighbor. We're in this till the end. Where do we find our hope? 
not so long ago and not so far away, but right here, right now, till the end. Amen. We now come to a time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
creator of the universe, in the midst of civil unrests, local tragedies, global disasters, international conflicts, and the existential tensions that follow, we pray that you would keep the divine spark in us blazing, and we pray for our hearts to burn and break with yours at the sight of the unjust and evil done to those around us. Through the ground of being, shift our semantics, shift our language, and refract our lenses so that we can see the divine gravity in every moment. With our prismatic lenses grounded in these shifts, show us how brief the time we experience is. Show us where we can, as beings grounded in you, live out as your hands and feet, and shift our focuses on what needs to be done and what can be done. In these refractive shifts, focus our lenses. Help us to discern the differences between what we can change and what we cannot, and help us to accept both. Drive us into movement to serve our local communities, our interconnected cities, and our global society. We pray for those in leadership at every level. We pray for those driven to bring a little more heaven down to earth. We pray for those who are suffering in our lives, both spoken and unspoken. We pray that we feel the fire and energy in your call spoken through Christ to courageous movement. For in this fire and energy, we find warmth in the midst of the bitter, frigid, existential tensions we find in our current existence. In Christ, may we see the good in the midst of the bad, the love in the midst of the greed, and the peace in the midst of the unrest. May we see the divine in ourselves and in each other, affirming the humanity in others, and living out your call to see you in the least of these. And it is in the name of the one who imbues fire in our hearts and refracts our lenses. Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again this Sunday morning in the nave of Marsh Chapel, and for those gathered here in the nave, we invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. As the semester is now underway, we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. We hope that you will join us following the service downstairs for coffee hour in the Marsh Room. Some of you may wish to stay at 1230 in the Thurman Room. Uh, Bill Quartz will be beginning this week our weekly Bible study at 1230, uh, this, study, this semester studying the Gospel of John. Next week begins uh, quite a bit more of our Sunday programming. Our weekly study uh, book study group begins at 9.45 next Sunday morning, this semester reading a book of Dean Hill's prophetic sermons. You can get a copy of that book by seeing Heidi in the main office downstairs following the service or being in touch with the chapel office during the coming week or just show up to the study next next Sunday morning. Also next Sunday, the Thurman Choir has its first rehearsal at 12.30 following the service in Robinson Chapel. Some of you may be interested in joining the Thurman Choir if you are not already members and can do so simply by showing up at 12.30 next week. Also next week, uh, our children's education begins uh, at 11.50, leaving during the final hymn of the service. Uh, Keep an eye toward that, a reminder to all of our families with young children that uh, children's Childcare is available in the Thurman Room during the service each week. For all of our weekday activities, which begin uh, this new semester tomorrow, Monday, uh, keep an eye to our term book, uh, which is available in your bulletin, or if you didn't get one, please grab one in the narthex on your way out. All of our weekday programming, as well as special events uh, upcoming throughout the semester, can be found there. It's also available on the chapel website for download at bu.edu slash chapel. A word of thanks this morning to the Reverend Victoria Gaskell, our Chapel Associate for Methodist Ministry, for bearing the word in our midst. This morning, we also welcome two new members of the ministry staff here at Marsh Chapel. Dr. Bin Song will be serving in 2018 as the Chapel Associate for the Confucian Association. Bin holds a Ph.D. in philosophy from Nanking University in China and is a doctoral candidate in religious studies here at Boston University where he is also president of the Boston University Confucian Association. We are pleased to announce the professionalization of that role now as a member of the ministry staff here at Marsh Chapel in partnership with the International Confucian Association. The Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman also joins the ministry staff as associate chaplain for Episcopal Ministry. Karen has served for the past year as the campus minister for Episcopal BU, during which time she has guided a process of mutual discernment between Marsh Chapel and the Episcopal Diocese of Massachusetts toward a new and renewed partnership in ministry at Boston University. This has resulted in the diocese, under the leadership of the Right Reverend Alan M. Gates, deciding to sponsor a full-time associate chaplain on the ministry department staff. Karen joins us now in 2018, fulfilling this new role at an acting capacity. Please join me in offering a warm Marsh Chapel welcome to Karen and Ben. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on your Johannes Brahms setting of Paul Fleming's poetry, Geistlichslied. (laughs) 
Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth, who made our souls, our minds, and our hearts, we ask you to align all three with your love and guidance. Show us your way as we enter a new year, so that we may be our best selves and humbly accept our downfalls.
now let us go from this place in peace to trust God, to believe the good news, and to follow Jesus in the empowerment and the creativity of the Holy Spirit. In the name of God who makes us, who loves us, who keeps us in everything. Amen.